Welcome to issue 129 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Fight Games. Here we take a good look at the most critical part, uh, the most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I am one of your hosts tonight, Maxine, and joining me is Steve. Hello, how you doing? Daniel. Hello, welcome. What a delight having you with us, Maxine. <laughs> Thank you. And Mike. Hello, Maxine. Oh, this is this is awesome. We've been wanting to have you on the show for a while. It's, <laughs> I uh... definitely butchered that intro, but that's okay. No, we're, we're good. You're good. You're fine. Yes, <laughs> Steve will fix it in post, or he won't, and I'll just sound like Yay. Right now. <laughs> No, don't fix it. I have a brand to keep up, and that brand is hot mess. <laughs> All right, I'm leaving it in. <laughs> Yay. All right, so we have Maxine on the show because you are actually a designer on Marvel Champions, the card game. Yeah, well, every now and then. Every now and then. And <laughs> recently, so you've been on Black Widow, from what I hear. Yes. And just recently, you did Penny Parker. Yep. Okay, first question before we do an intro. How are we pronouncing yeah. Spitter, Spider? I, 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 just, I just say Penny Parker. Okay, Penny like, Parker. Because my, so I guess I've always just pronounced that as just spider, right? It's just, you know, spider yeah. with like a bit of a elite jargon in there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, that's really vague. So just uh, Penny Parker. Yeah. All right. So designer of Penny Parker and what a great excuse to have you on. Because uh, <laughs> we were, we were chatting with Caleb back at the beginning of the year. And I was like, oh yeah, if only, if only we could get MJ on. And he goes, well, mm, just. Just hang on a few months. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay, okay. That's cool. That's cool. I mean, right. you you could have just had me on for no reason, but this is better. I mean, yeah. Well, it's better <laughs> because you can actually talk about your product, and we That's have true. this. It's not just us. It's kind of the whole podcast community where something gets released. There's a bunch of interviews, but they can only say so much because the product isn't actually in people's hands yet. Right. So this is really exciting because everyone's yeah. actually got a chance to see it. I'm so excited because, like, I've been waiting so long for this product to come out. <laughs> I'm sure, probably like a couple of years, right? Uh, at least a year, a year maybe a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before we get too deep into things, uh, there are some listeners out there who maybe haven't been uh, around the LCG community for a while, who have just dove in with Marvel Champions and don't necessarily know who you are. Right. But they've probably heard various things like. Oh, this has your fingerprints all over it. And <laughs> I thought I would start by giving just a brief background so that those listeners can understand kind of where we're coming from here. Yeah, of course. So, because at least two of us have known of you for a while, uh, the three of us actually joined the, we bought into the Lord of the Rings LCG very early nice. on. Daniel, I think you were, what, day one? Day one. Day yeah, one. me too. <laughs> I I wasn't for uh, until the, the end of the second cycle or towards the end of the second cycle. So mm -hmm. I think Vardane, uh, you were in there a bit before me. I, yep, I I got in at the near the uh, middle or end of the core cycle. Yeah, and this was before Maxine. You were working at FFG. It was. And yes, you were a member of the community long before Discord was even a thing. <laughs> yes, that's true. And Steve and I remember oh, some gosh. of the stuff you've worked on. Yeah, yeah, we it was it was a crazy time. <laughs> and we remember your message that said, good news and bad news, people. <laughs> bad news yes. is, 
I can't finish this little campaign I've been working on. But the good news is it's because now I'm working for the company. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I remember being like, can I like suddenly finish this third one before this last (laughs) interview so that I can say that I finish it? And I was like, nah. Yeah, yeah, I remember messaging you at one point saying, where's the third one? And you're like, ah, I, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I, I'm still getting messages like that. Yeah. It's like 10 years later. Well, um, there's been a resurgence in the community. There's more yeah, new players in the true. game. That's true. And, and, and also, like, you know, I've undergone a bit of an identity overhaul. So there's a few people on BoardGameGeek who are like, oh, there's this uh, fan-made campaign over here. This seems really cool. And they're downloading it and they're sending me messages on my old, old board game geek oh, account. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, why did you stop making these? And I'm like, uh... <laughs> 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 I got some news for you, bud. Um, but yeah, at the time, um, I had just graduated from uh, from grad school and I was just doing Lord of the Rings design work on the side as a hobby, just like for fun. And um, started to like gain traction on Board Game Geek and on uh, other servers. And like, yeah, you're right. This was before Discord. Which, like, looking back, like, how did I survive without Discord? Um, but uh, yeah. And then when I applied for the position at FFG, which just so happened to be for Lord of the Rings, I they already knew who I was because of that uh, content. They had like already oh. seen it online, and so they were like, "Oh, cool." So I got very lucky. I got ridiculously lucky <laughs> oh that's so nice well yeah, that, that campaign was like dale and the easterlings and then yeah it was um the war in the north was my inspiration for that that the video game well not necessarily oh, a video just, game but just okay. like the, the the plot point of like okay. there was a war in the north that not a lot of people know about because the books didn't cover it and like gotcha yeah, yeah. yeah. and then like 10 years later caleb like ripped you off and did the easterlings <laughs> in a Lesser quality version. I won't tell him that, but... Yeah. Oh, oof. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it'd be funny to do that as, a, as like, a an additional saga expansion. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, yeah. Yep. Like, the seventh saga box, just, like, the War in the North that happens concurrently with the sixth one, and, like... The appendix. Redo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the appendix box. Yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure people would buy it. <laughs> in, <laughs> to be fair, I like... I actually like what Caleb did a lot more because he was able to kind of show more of the background, like culture of these people that like, we don't really get to see in the books, but anyway, I'm going on a tangent. <laughs> okay. Let's get back to what you said at the beginning of the show, which was um, yeah. you were a hot mess. I, and yes. um, it, <laughs> it's funny true. you say that because your, your fingerprints seem to be a hot mess that kind of works out elegantly in the end. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but it's I believe brand. that one of the first quests you worked on was the three trials uh yeah that is actually i want to say that is the first quest design that was that was like me from the beginning um there were a few quests that i like touched here and there and of course i did a lot of nightmare uh packs before then but that was the first quest that i designed like from the top down got it okay so for the listeners who don't know lord of the rings this is early in the game's life cycle this is Mm -hmm. i guess this is fourth cycle now it's actually yeah it's fourth cycle ringmaker but um no, I mean, wait. Was the that creativity was, yeah, was it was Ringmaker. It was Ringmaker. And it was still yeah, yeah. it was going. Yep. And there was still a lot of uncharted territory. And you came up with this thing. It was you enter this quest and there's there's three branching paths and you get to pick the ones you want to do in the order you want to do them. And then there's this finale at the end. So there it was the first time we'd seen this branching path storyline. And I remember Caleb at the time saying, You just had this idea and kind of let him 
let you do this. And <laughs> yeah, it came back and it worked. And that, that's kind of, that's what I mean by the fingerprints. It's a hot mess, but it, it works and it, it works and it's awesome. Yeah. And <laughs> that's Arkham too, is it not? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is where you move, which is this, this complex thing that just seems to work so well because it, it still feels nice and thematic and it's a blast to play. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm I'm very much into the games, you know, like Lord of the Rings and like Arkham where the the theme can like carry uh the not just the the you know like the flavor and the story but also like the mechanics, right? Um we have like a, an emergent narrative is coming about because of these cards that you're playing and it makes a lot of sense and you can create some storytelling moments like I barricaded my friend in the room with the ghoul priest and ran away. Like that's a thing that can happen and like that's really cool. Um, yeah. And yeah, the three trials was definitely that first quest of like, I wanted to feel like, um, you know, like in a video game where you have a boss fight and then another boss fight and then they come together in the end and you have to fight both of them at the same time. And you're like, oh, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because I remember like we had the name, the three trials written down before we had any idea what the scenario was going to be. We just thought that was a cool name for a scenario. Oh, that's. <laughs> good thing it wasn't like the 10 trials oh gosh <laughs> yeah, that would look a lot different <laughs> no, okay, so, number. so for the newcomers to the ffg community now hopefully you understand <laughs> why this pack might be a little bit different but still yeah. a lot of fun so this is a very long-winded introduction but um i think that's like I said, it's been a while since um i've seen you and we've wanted to have you on the show for a while and i am i'm claiming my my right because i have long hair and because nobody pays me uh, to ramble on a bit. So <laughs> thank That's you. Fair. That's your podcast, your prerogative. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Steve let me do this. So oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll cut it all out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then I have, I have one more thing before I, before I leave this over. And it's what you, ta- you talked about, letting the cards tell the narrative. Yes. You could have designed Penny Parker as just a single card. Right. But you didn't. That is a truth. You chose two cards. One is Penny <laughs> as the pilot. One is the suit. And I feel like you did that because you just wanted to put the person in the suit. That is 100% correct. Yeah. I, there was a... So as I was researching the character, we're getting a little bit more into like the gritty, the nitty gritty. But like, as I was researching the character more, I, I came to understand that like, Penny differs a bit from like Iron Man and Black Panther and like the others. I'm a dude in a suit characters. In that, um, even though her suit is like a machine, it's really more like a vehicle, right? It's something that's being piloted. There's a cockpit, right? It's not like Iron Man where it's like he is the suit and the suit is him. They're kind of like one and the same or War Machine, same thing. It's really more like Penny is driving this machine. And I wanted to like sell that the best way that I could. And uh, yeah, and you're totally right. I wanted to put, I wanted to put the character in the suit like that's what i wanted <laughs> yeah and that's what i mean about the complexity like if you just if you it looks more complex but if you just think about it that way oh i'm putting the person in the suit the game right. works it works flawlessly yeah. you just don't think about it yeah just yeah <laughs> and i remember like being like how do i write this like how do i how do i word this ability so that it does what i want it to do and still works with all of the other mechanics of the game you know what i mean yeah like that was a big struggle for sure yeah, because when you first look at some of the the cards, there's a lot of text on them. Uh, right. Return to base does this, and you know, uh, suit up, and 
once you kind of get through that, it's like, oh, this makes perfect sense. I completely understand what's going on here. Yeah, um, yeah. Once once you understand that it's basically they both flip over at the same time when she's out of the suit, move the cards aside. When she's in the suit, make the cards kiss, and then you're good. Like that's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> you just uh, I came to trust your design, like you, Mike was saying about Arkham. Um, I can't follow that half the time when I'm playing it. I don't know how you design something so complicated and complex, but it just I just trust the card's going to be where it needs to be when I flip a card, and this is going to work. So when when Penny came out, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. This is gonna, <laughs> I, I just trust it's going to work. And, and it does. Cards. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, Arkham especially is like that because it's uh, at its core, it's a mystery game. So it's very much like um, like Marvel is very different in that it's like you're kind of told up front what you have to do and like when you have to do it. You know, here's a villain. Beat him up or let the villain beat you up, as it were. Um, but in Arkham, um, there are often scenarios where it, you're, you go into it and you're like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to. I guess I gather clues like what is happening? And that's very much on purpose. Um, so, yeah, you're right. It is. Sometimes there are moments like that where it's like, ah, just trust the cards. They work un- unless they don't. <laughs> <laughs> just don't miss a step. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> just hopefully I didn't miss anything. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to let the others. The, the hero's fantastic. I was playing uh, Spider-Ham next to Steve last week, and I just assumed he was cheating because he was the doing so well. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way you can do that. In fairness, Wait. if he was cheating, that would be very thematic for Spider-Ham. No, no, Daniel was Spider-Ham. Daniel I was Spider-Ham. I was playing honorably. And <laughs> Sticking his tongue I'm out. Like, I'm like, there's just... High fives. Steve, really, there's no way you can do all that. Like... <laughs> No, you can't. No. You can't. <laughs> so I, maybe I was just feeling small as Spider Ham, next to that big giant machine. <laughs> but yeah, it's be- it's fun to watch. It was just like I, I, I sort of realized that my IQ was about half the requirement to well, know also, what was happening. There's also like um, design philosophy with different heroes, where like sometimes we want a hero to, um, to like, what's the word? Um, we want certain characters to grab certain people to gravitate towards certain heroes, right? Like certain heroes are going to call to certain players like, oh, I love combos and I love really complex interactions. So this this character is definitely for me. And then mm-hmm. some heroes are a bit more simplistic. And that's per- that's 100 percent on purpose because they're meant to cater to uh, maybe a different crowd or a different type of player or a different age bracket of player and like that kind of thing. Steve Maxine just said that you're smarter than me. Woo-hoo! <laughs> that's I, not yeah. what I was saying. <laughs> that's basically what that all boiled down to. I'm taking it that way, though. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're free no. to interpret it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely enjoy like playing the twelve card combo and only yeah. like making one step of progress. Um, and some sometimes Penny can feel like that or black widow can feel like that. i put out all these preparations and yeah. all this great stuff and in the end i just removed three threat or something right yeah um, i'm gonna play these eight cards and exhaust these eight cards and do this and that and the other thing it's like all right what was the end result of that oh i killed a minion yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i do i do think uh penny is is pretty powerful um when she gets rolling heck yeah yeah i gotta ask three hand size in hero form three hand size <laughs> yep How'd you, how'd you settle on three? 
Um, mostly just um, balance. So, like, actually, originally, in some of, like, the early designs, um, like, she would go in the cockpit, right? You'd attach her, and then that was kind of the end of that. Like, there wasn't a lot of reason for that to be the case. And one of the things I like to do as a designer is force myself to prove why this mechanic is cool and, like, why it's different and, like, that kind of thing. So I immediately settled on, okay, all of the upgrades to the suit should attach to the suit like she does so that she's just one more of those upgrades. So I gave them all that trait. Um, I believe it's the interface trait. Yeah. And, um, and then I immediately settled on, oh, they should provide their resources. And that provides like a really cool decision point where it's like, do I need this for the resource or do I need this for its ability? Um, with the exception of Penny herself, because she's just a wild resource. And um, so in addition to providing like an interesting decision point and like a point of tension between um, like, what do I want to do on this turn? It also immediately drove her power into the roof. So I was like, okay, obviously she can't have a hand size that's like five or four even. That's like way too much. Is she still fun with three hand size? And then the, the whole design challenge for me became a how do I design a hero with such a low hand size that's still fun to play and uh it it ended up being like what what do those upgrades do and like what do those decision points look like that's what makes the whole character sing right if you have three cards in your hand you want to play all three of them you probably can once you're all set up um but also do you want to use those abilities um if so which card in your hand are you not willing to play like that kind of thing which that decision point is very much at the core of Marvel Champions and like how that game plays. But amplified here because right. if you're in hero, you could say, do I use my ability and switch to alter ego or do I not? And then heal an alter ego. That's normal. Right. But you have four different combinations because your suit exhausts independently of penny. That's right. And when you flip them, they also have abilities on both each other's sides. So now it's which ability do I pair with what? And uh, it's a hard decision. And I died because of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then there's also like the cards in your hand can be used as resources or used for their effects. The upgrades that you have attached can be used for their effect or used as resources. Like it's a lot. Um, but that's what I love about it. It's very gritty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it works really well. I she's quickly become my favorite hero. So I mean, I hate yeah. her as a villain because she's so fun. Good. Right. I don't know. Of course. It's hard, yes. It's, yes. it's hard to get behind a hero, but this one's fun. <laughs> the good thing about Penny, the good thing about fighting against Penny is that it does take a little while to get set up. Um, so as a villain, you can uh, get some traction in the early game, and right. maybe maybe she'll struggle to keep up with you. Yeah. I think yeah. you bring all your attachments, the ones that cost resources to get rid of. Oh yeah. Especially the galactic artifacts that take three resources. Oof. Yeah, those are fun. Yeah. <laughs> So you designed the hero, and I'm right. guessing maybe you... Did you also do some of the aspect cards or the bonus cards with her? I pretty much did not do any of the aspect cards. Um, I provided, like, playtest feedback on the aspect cards, but I basically my contribution was limited to the, the Nemesis set and the hero set. Um, everything else in that pack was part of, like, a greater card pool that they were working on which makes sense because i'm not i was not as fully aware of the whole card pool as they are um so it made a lot more sense for them to handle that aspect and like figure out like okay what protection cards do we need in this entire cycle and what protection cards do we want to just exist in the card pool and can those 
cards slot into this uh, spider deck nicely and and work. And um, hopefully the answer is uh, yeah, because they're very tech focused, which makes sense for uh, Penny, who is also very tech focused. Like all of her um, interface upgrades have the tech trait, so you can um, you can have some really cool uh, combos with like repurpose and force field generator and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I didn't design any of those. Those were all um, Boggs and Caleb. Okay. I, I was going to specifically ask about the two recent ones, Unshakable and Limitless Stamina, that target mm. heroes that have the 14 printed hit points. So yeah. we're getting, getting those now, too. And she has 14 hit points. Um, she does. So those are fun in there. So I was curious if you had a hand in that. But I, I didn't, but I do remember when they showed up and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Because like... Um, I think it was very targeted, like they 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 had a very specific idea in mind for like, let's add some cards that make very specific characters uh, a little bit stronger. And um, not that 14 hit points is anything to shake a stick at, but it's kind of nice to have like that power fantasy of like, I'm like a huge hulking beast of a hero. <laughs> um, like, like a Hulk? Yeah, like like a Hulk. I would. That's not actually what I was getting at, but that is true. Um, but also, just like Penny's suit is very tanky, and it's nice to have that bonus. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I did the Nemesis. I did the Hero Pack, and that's it. The Sinister Six stuff that's in there. I I didn't even know that would appear <laughs> in the pack. I was too busy working on Arkham. <laughs> so, is this a character that you were drawn to before designing? Spider, Penny Parker, oh, yeah. or okay, oh, yeah. and, and and like in the office where you're like, hey, Caleb, if, if Penny Parker ever shows up, <laughs> could I? Um, is it one of those types of things, or it goes even deeper than that? Um, okay. So the full story went something like, basically, I watched Into the Spider Verse, right, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal, absolutely fantastic. I watched it a bit late. I actually think I was like one of the last people I know who watched it. Um, and I, I don't know why. I think it just it flew under my radar for some reason. And then when I finally ro- watched it, I was like, oh, that's why everyone loves this movie, because it's fantastic. And um, that was actually my first exposure to Penny Parker, even though the movie version of Penny is very different from the comic version in a lot of ways. Um, in the movie, she has like her own pet robot that sort of acts independently of her. It's not something that she like gets into and like pilots. It's It's much smaller and it's much more kind of cutesy anime style mm-hmm. um which i i would wager they chose on purpose just to uh sort of um feel very different from the other characters right but in the comics and, and then like as soon as i finished watching that movie i started looking up the comics because i heard that it was a character from the comics and i immediately fell in love with those because they're even more right up my alley um because the penny parker in the comics is a huge like Evangelion and Akira reference, um, like down to the motorcycle gangs from Akira. Like the <laughs> the suit looks very much like an Evangelion. Like it's so, it was so right up my alley um, that I fell in love with the character and I immediately downloaded and read every single comic that she appeared in, even if she's just like in the background, which was a lot of them because there's a lot of Spider Verse comics and there's a lot of characters in those comics. Um, she's one of what, like hundreds of spider variants. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but she was so cool. So I begged, 
beg i'm talking like on my hands and knees like beg can we do a spider-verse box can we do a spider-verse i want to do penny parker i want to do a spider-verse box please 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 and also the movie's really good and i think it would do really good and we should do a spider-verse box please can we do a spider-verse box and eventually i think i was just so annoying that they were like fine like honestly i like i think there was a drive from from higher up as well to do spider-verse stuff because like it's such a wealth of cool characters and um Miles and Gwen are very very popular as as characters like they're up there with Peter Parker Spider-Man. Um so there was like, a lot of push from from both like me and the dev team and executives to like do this box and finally it went on the schedule and I was like so you're, you're going to let me do Peter uh Penny Parker, right? And they were like fine and it was very much it wasn't like actually begrudgingly but it was kind of jokingly begrudgingly because there is so many different spider variants that like it could have very easily been one of the many other ones um but at the time i i feel like i basically had like a design initially done anyway they were like okay fine here you can do a penny penny park and i was like yay (laughs) well i'm i'm glad they gave in so (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm over dramatizing a little bit because um, yeah. I think I didn't even I think I pushed for it for a while almost jokingly like it became a meme in the office <laughs> for a bit and uh, and then I just got super busy with Arkham and I think I was working on the Dream Eaters cycle for Arkham at the time and when they finally uh, came to me and said okay we're gonna do Penny Parker and I was like yes <laughs> uh, so you said you worked on the Nemesis set too yes. Uh, Okay, so the Nemesis minion, Morbius. Yeah. A lot of times the Nemesis is, you know, Vulture and Peter Parker or, you know, Spider-Man. They they fight each other hundreds of times. Right. Morbius, this thing, <laughs> like, shows up once? Yeah, appears in, like, one short intro comic. And that's, again, that's, like, a side effect of uh, Penny being so absorbed into the greater Spider-Verse, like, I want to say, like, mythos, right? It would be tough to pull a villain out that isn't actually just a villain of all of the Spider-Variants, right? Okay. So what I really wanted to do is, like, okay, what's a nemesis that's very specific to Penny Parker that, like, only Penny Parker has ever dealt with? And it's tough because uh, if you go back and you read those comics... It's very much like an introduction to this character. She doesn't really have much of an arc in those comics because it's they're short. It's one issue. It's like it's a series of comics that is meant to introduce many park, uh, many um, Spider-Man variants, right? So she is in one issue solo, and then again later another issue solo, and um, so there weren't a lot of choices. But I found that this that this creature, this Morbius creature, was really interesting one because she loses to it in that comic, like, spoiler alert. But, like, basically, she loses, and it's um Addie Brock uh, Venom who comes in and, like, saves her. So I'm like, okay, that's the nemesis then, right? It's got to, it's directly counters the spider suit. And that's why yeah. that force okay. response also does the same. Yeah. All right, that I I like that answer. I approve. <laughs> you approve I mean, a, a nemesis that defeats the hero too. I mean, you can't go wrong. So yeah, I so it's for me both thematically and mechanically, my favorite nemesis sets are the ones that directly challenge what that hero is trying to do, right? Um, and like, or or just like they're very thematically on point. Like 
you know, Loki and Thor. It's like, yeah, of course I'm excited when Loki shows up. Like, they're brothers. Like, that's such a good, um, like, villain link. It's not just like, oh, this is just some mook I defeat on a weekly basis, right? Right. So what specifically drew you to the character of Penny Parker? Anime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I'm going to be honest here. Fine answer. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge anime fan. I'm total weeaboo. Um, lived in Japan for six months. Uh, like, st- I have a degree in East Asian studies. It's my jam. So the idea that there's a Marvel character who's modeled specifically after anime is like, oh, that's my that's my girl, right? Like, that immediately. And it's especially cool with Penny if you go back and you read those comics... So many of the frames of those comics are directly pulled from from like famous manga, including, like I said, the Evangelion references that like the cockpit of the spider suit is very much like the capsule of the uh, like Ava unit one. And uh, there's so many like parallels to to so many. And like the, the Daredevil variant that shows up in her comic is so is so Akira like it's yeah. Anyway. That's what drew me to the character, for sure. I want to switch gears slightly, but not really. Um, so we know it drew you to Penny, and obviously you like Penny, but do you have a favorite villain, either in the comics or the game? Uh, we try to like ask folks, mm. so if you have a villain that, that you really uh, have a, a draw to? Yeah. Well, so in back when I was a kid, the main Marvel property that I was like addicted to was X-Men. Um, I used to watch the old TV show all the time. That theme song is basically stuck in my head 24-7. So, like, just from, like, the pool of all Marvel characters, my favorite villain is definitely Magneto. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah, Magneto calls to me in so many ways. Um, He's one of those villains that I feel like fundamentally is right in many ways and, like, has almost has, like, a right to be the villain, you know, like, but they're just going about it the wrong way. And like, that is to me, like the fundamental tension of like the X-Men like setting, right. Is like, they're all kind of on the same side. They're just not, you know, right. He, he's definitely, it's not a black and white sort of, um, very much. Through. Here's the big guy who just punches people. Right. He it's, has an yeah. agenda. Yeah. yeah. He's got an agenda and his agenda isn't even necessarily like, wrong it's just he's kind of going about it in a really really antagonistic and hateful and spiteful way and he's um he's he's i mean he is a villain like he's wrong but he's also like you can see it you can see it if you like stepped into his shoes you could get it you could understand it that's what i like about magneto so who's the bigger magneto fan you or caleb i think it's still caleb um caleb's just a bigger comic fan than i am in general um, I actually kind of dropped off of comics for a while, and then the MCU picked up, and I got really, really back into it. But even then, um, I'm far more familiar with the movies these days than I am the original comics. Whereas Caleb is, uh, Caleb can just recite comic deep lore, you yeah. know. Um, I, I was I was very much into comics as a, as a kid, and then I started to get into anime, and that kind of overtook the superhero genre um, for a long time. Um, so, like, all, all the classic comics I really am familiar with and I'm really into, but a lot of the stuff that happened over the course of, like, the early aughts and, like, the even, like, the 2010s, like, 
I kind of dropped off the face of uh of 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 Marvel and DC for those. So like stuff like Secret Invasion and Secret Wars and like the you know all of that stuff. I don't know a lot about it. Um but like original like Thanos stuff, yeah, for sure. Does well, that make it, sense? It does. Now, yeah. at, at this point as of this recording, it has been spoiled at least what's coming out in the upcoming uh, Mutant Genesis box and we know we're going up against Magneto for part of it. So, did you have any input or a hand in designing or playtesting Magneto, or were you stuck on Arkham? No, no. Actually, um, if I had a hand in anything in Mutant Genesis, it would be Shadowcat. Um, but even then, it's not like I designed Shadowcat or anything. Shadowcat is very much... Um, I, 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 I basically just played a lot of Shadowcat, because Shadowcat's my favorite X-Men. Um, and uh, so there's, there's maybe a touch of me in there, but it's very much uh, not my design. I didn't, uh, I didn't do a lot of work on or even playtesting on Mutant Genesis. Um, I was exorbitantly busy at the time with um, mm -hmm. the Edge of the Earth and the Scarlet Keys uh, products. Um, so I was kind of absorbed in my own world, but I definitely had time to, uh, to check out Shadowcat and some of the other heroes. Yeah. Well, from what I hear, you're creating a heck of a world. So I'm not surprised oh, you didn't have you. time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners heard it here first, though. Shadowcat is going to be complicated and a hot mess because your <laughs> fingerprints are on it so. i i don't actually know i think Shadowcat actually turned out to be pretty simple i think the one thing that maybe if there's any one thing that i um contributed to it's the the idea of the the like intangibleness of like her ability to like bypass certain things that would otherwise be an obstacle for her i'm being a little vague because i don't know how much of her has been spoiled um, I think I think we do know some of that. Like I think she's cool. got this thing that lets her bypass the crisis icon and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just this idea of like she's she's really good at just like getting in there and kind of infiltrating. Um, so I thought that that would be a cool way to flavor that, you know. And I think more so than any other hero with like an intangible element, she really sells the like like I'm gonna punch you, but I just fell right through you instead, which is really cool. It's fun. Cool. Yeah. As far as like nemesis or villains that exist in the game currently, um, I am a big fan of Loki and Hela. Like both of those villains were a lot of fun for me. I love the Hela um, scenario because it feels very much like a trek through this. It almost felt like a callback to the Lord of the Rings days to take this full circle. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. um, I thought that was really cool. You're on a little quest. Yeah. Yeah, and then with Loki, I definitely remember having that discussion in the office back when we had uh, discussions in the office, where um, <laughs> it was very much like, how do we sell this idea of the character with like the many, many illusions, and you have to like, you know, hit the right one. And um, I don't remember who said it or how it came about, but it, we definitely were like, oh, like there's a bunch of Lokis. There's like so many Lokis. <laughs> yeah. Do you typically play like if you're playing? I know you mentioned you play test, um, mm -hmm. but do you on your off time or free time if that exists? Do you <laughs> and you're playing the villains? Do you have any like modular sets you like to play? Do you play the game straight up? Do you you know mix things up? Do you put Wrecking Crew in with Hella or things like that? Or? <laughs> um, I haven't delved too much into the like modular set customization aspect of the game which i think is super duper cool but i haven't really done much of it myself mostly because 
generally speaking, when I'm playing Marvel, I'm usually playtesting. Um, and that's kind of the case for any FFG game. Like I, I very often, I very rarely get the chance to actually play like the printed final version of any of these products. Um, because if I'm going to play Marvel, I might as well contribute while I'm doing it to the design of it. Um, and if I'm playtesting, I'm usually playtesting like the recommended sets because that's what we need playtested more often than not. Um, so you yeah. may not even know what these cards do because you might be reading, remembering old text. Yeah, very possibly. <laughs> I mean, uh, for the most part, I think I'm up to date on the sets that I'm really hardcore playtesting, like like obviously Penny. But um, when it comes to like scenarios and stuff, yeah, uh, sometimes a set will come out and I'll, I will get the chance to play it and I'll be like, oh yeah, that's right, we changed this. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to keep uh, keep track sometimes. So from a villain perspective, um, I was a little dismayed to see a signature ally that could potentially be a 5-5 five, five in stats. Yeah. I watched that happen, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is true. That is a that's... truth fact as well. She is pretty that's... expensive um, for an ally. And like the big thing is she can't possibly get that good unless you've built up, right? And unless you're you're using your entire suit to pay for her, um, but yeah, she can get pretty beefy. Yeah, I. I, I <laughs> she does save Penny in the comics, so right. She, yeah, <laughs> she takes out that Morbius. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then something happens to her, but you know we don't want to ruin that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, the name of the character is Venom. What do you expect? Yeah, right? right. Yeah. Right. Uh, changing gears a bit. You've been at FFG now for six years? Oh, gosh. Um, more than that. More um, than that. I've, yeah. I've been with FFG with, for nine and a half years. Where does the time um, in, go? In December of this year, it will be my 10-year anniversary. Holy moly. Okay. So yeah. You must have a five-year art piece. Um, I do. Um, it's kind of a funny story. Um, so I... I oh. They, they commissioned <laughs> the five... Yeah, exactly. No, you're, yep, you're, you already figured it out. They commissioned the five-year art piece, and I went, cool. I Yeah, that I see that that's a quality art piece. And then I transitioned. <laughs> uh, okay, are they going to give you another one? Are they going to give you another one? Yeah, actually, um, the plan is that I'm going to have a new art piece at some point. Um, I'm waiting for the opportune time for that. But uh, yeah, so that, that art piece never made it into an actual product. Um, I did use it in my... In Arkham, we have a special invitation only scenario that we bring to events sometimes called the keeper's nightmare and the idea is you have to play against a designer um at the time it was me or jeremy and so we had my five-year art and jeremy's um old world championship art because jeremy has won every game ever um as the keeper as like the character that you're trying oh. to defeat and it was really cool um and then i was like i don't know who this person is anymore um so yeah um so that art is not being circulated anymore um which is cool uh and actually like ffg was super super cool about it um they came to me and were like yeah we noticed that you're not using this art piece and that makes a lot of sense do you want a new one and i was like i love you guys (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome i'm assuming you're gonna choose arkham as your game most likely yes although there's a there's also a part of me that's still like stuck in the past because I'm a huge fan of Netrunner. Um, so I could just do some Android art for the fun of it. Um, the, back in the day when I first got hired, 
um, I really wanted to be like a Wayland consortium like lawyer because I went to law school and I thought it would be kind of fun to like have to like, you know, combine my interest in gaming with my my legal education and it's like, oh, this character is going to be like a lawyer for Wayland because Wayland was the, the corp that I played all the time. Um, and then I started working on Arkham and I was like, OK, well, I got to appear in Arkham, obviously. Um, <laughs> but yeah, who knows? I haven't quite decided um, what that's going to look like yet. Well, don't keep us waiting too long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we're excited. I got to wait to dye my hair back to pink. <laughs> well, can't they just make that part of the you art? just do yeah. that. No, it's very that, important. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Wait, they get you to pose while they do that? I was going to say, are, are, they do they do, do their actually. art by like, sittings? Because that would be fantastic. We actually, we actually do like a little photo shoot. And then they oh send those goodness. as reference pictures to the artist. Um, so if if like the art is like, oh, I'm holding a skull and I'm looking at it like, um, you know, like in Hamlet, then like they would give us something to hold and like have us stand in front of a, uh, you know, like a white uh, wall and like have us act out the piece, um, which usually works fine. Sometimes it's tricky. Depends on what you want your you know piece to be, um, and it can sometimes be a little goofy if it's a, uh, oh, I want to look like I'm cackling madly. Um, then it's like, okay, um, cackle madly for us, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what what you're telling us is that Caleb's art, he did stab himself in the foot during the photo shoot <laughs> in order to make it look like that. <laughs> I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> I, I do I don't know how they did Nate's five year art because his his five year art is a head on a spike. Oh, that's right. He was right, like a yeah. disembodied head on a spike in Game of Thrones. So yeah, that's going to be tricky. Yeah. yeah. I, I do really love um, Molly's five-year-old. Oh my god, yes. Olive yes. McBride. Like, yeah. <laughs> the expression they got for her is just impeccable. Yeah, it's it's perfect and like it's it's such a perfect likeness too. Like almost all of our five-year art are perfect likenesses, but that one in particular is like so perfect. And um and I work with Molly on a daily basis, so it's always funny to see people talking about Olive McBride, and Olive McBride is also Molly's like Ren Fair name, and it's just like really funny. <laughs> and you can see her personality in there too. That's oh yeah, yeah. It. My favorite is um in uh there's a character in Arkham named Tristan Botley, who is um a five-year art piece for Evan Johnson, who's our old marketing writer that for Arkham. Evan? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's oh. Evan Johnson. And uh, the best part is the dog is also his dog. There's a dog in the art piece that's his dog. Yeah. And the flavor text name drops the dog, like that dog's name in real life. Nothing's ever so going to be the same, cool Vito. Yeah, exactly. So cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, let's say with some of this fun stuff. Uh, in Marvel, do you yeah. have a hero that you love to hear just gets beat up by the villains just gets thrashed uh like, it's probably cyclops okay that was pretty yeah me <laughs> me well because okay so it's like a long-standing joke that like me and caleb like caleb loves cyclops like cyclops is caleb's like favorite character and i don't <laughs> love cyclops <laughs> to put it mildly um so you can but say then it. but then caleb went ahead and, and designed a really fun cyclops and i'm like god damn it <laughs> I want to play a Cyclops. Oh man, why is he so cool? No. Um. <laughs> okay, that's good. That, yeah, like that's that. pretty much yeah. it. No, like, um, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just like I prefer like Wolverine and and like Shadowcat and like so many other X Men. Um, but yeah, he's so much fun to play. Maxine, how do you feel about Iron Man? 
I like Iron Man. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, I, so, like... <laughs> You're off the show. Done. It's funny. <laughs> it ends right here. <laughs> it's funny, because I, I never cared much for Iron Man in the comics. But the uh, the movie really, like, sold me on him as a character. And Robert Downey Jr. does such a good job as uh, Tony Stark. And, I mean, it... It makes perfect sense why the entire MCU sort of revolved around him for a while because I think that um I think that he really drove that. Um and like I don't know, like I so usually I'm a fan of the underdog heroes who are very um very young and very like untested, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um and Iron Man is very much like kind of the opposite of that and like so is like Captain America and like Hulk and all of those characters. My favorite are like the runaways and like Cloak and Dagger and, like, characters who are, like, we don't even know how our powers work yet. We're just kind of muddling through it, you know? Yeah. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, yep. it does. And oh, yeah. I, someone posted to the discords recently, but wasn't the original Tony Stark in the comics a caricature of the Elon Musk of the day or something? Like, he was meant to be an ass. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Well, he's, he's, is I he, like, no Randolph idea. Hearst or something like that? He's, like, yeah, or... Or Howard Hughes or Henry Ford. He's one of those guys. Yeah, I think probably. I So to be completely honest, like, yeah, until the movie started coming out, I was not unfamiliar with Iron Man, but just like I had never read an Iron Man focused comic. I'd read like Avengers comics and like, yeah, he's there. Um, but I was much more enamored with uh, some of the other characters. So, yeah, that's entirely possible. I, I don't even know. It would just make sense why you didn't like him in the comics. It's not so much that I didn't like him so much as I just didn't... There were other characters I was so focused on as a child, especially, like, the X-Men. Like, the X-Men was my jam. The X-Men was 100%. I would watch the TV show. I had all the action figures. Um, me and my friends would, like, act out X-Men stuff. <laughs> like, um, the, the old movies, um, all of that stuff. I loved X-Men. Um, so I was far, far more addicted to that than um, any of the other Marvel properties for a long time. So way back in the 80s, TSR, who made Dungeons and Dragons, they had like a like a superhero game, like a Marvel game. Mm. Oh, game. yeah. I don't know did. if you all remember that. And yeah. like, yeah, you could be Wolverine. And I remember doing that. Like my cousin, cousin Billy set up some, you know, sessions of of that Marvel game. Nice. And yeah. The X-Men was, this, I guess this was late 80s, early 90s, probably. No, late 80s. Yeah. The, the X-Men were, that's what you wanted to be. What was yeah. that? Was that Mutants and Masterminds? No. no that's newer. No, no th- and was, that's like... But um, there's something something cheesy like that. No, it was like their fourth game, and it wasn't... It didn't have, like, the ampersand title, I don't think. Mm. Um, or, or, or maybe... I'll look it up later, but... It, like, on the back of the cover, it had, like, power level with these bar charts going left to right? Yep, yep. Yeah, mm. yep. Okay. And you could, like, make your own superheroes, and that was, like, the fun of the game was like heck yeah character yeah. build rules for superhero and like i used to play city of heroes back in the day it's a mmo mmo yeah okay yeah um but yeah i used to um at like recess in like kindergarten um i would <laughs> me and me and my me and my oh my god this is like such a callback me and my best friend used to go out into like the playground and act out x-men stuff and like he was cyclops and i was jubilee <laughs> so daniel that was just called marvel superheroes Okay. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And it was like early. It was like, I mean, D&D yeah. and then like Star Frontiers and then maybe that or the spy yeah. game. 
there was like a James Bond game too that they made. That's tough being old, guys. I remember too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, at least you still can remember it. You're not that old yet. Yeah, but ask me what I did yesterday. No idea. <laughs> so, um, let's keep going with some of these fun theme ones. Uh, yeah. I I love this question, so I'm going to steal it from the other guys. Which um, part yeah. of your job as a game designer at FFG would you most like to have your evil minions do for you? Um, I can answer this perfectly because um, for a while we had interns in the office. Um, so, it, you know, if, if, if I was a grand villain, they would be the evil minions. Um, and actually, it's funny because um, one of my one of my coworkers who I um, kind of specifically like um, begged to to get hired, uh, Duke, was an intern at one point. So he can he can assure you that this is the case. Um, basically, all of the the like cutting and sleeving of the printing cutting and sleeving of prototype cards is oh, like okay. my mm-hmm. least fit like no one ever told me going into game design that like 30% of it is kindergarten arts and crafts yeah um and it's 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 nice because you can shut off your brain for a little bit and just kind of like sit there and sleeve cards but um i i i like the i like the creative work right like that's that's what i love about this job is the creative work and the narrative writing and the um get, getting to engage creatively with my job and um going through the mundane process of like printing you know 80 pages of cards and then laboriously cutting them with a paper cutter over and over and over and over <laughs> yeah. again um uh and then uh oh this uh mechanic doesn't work the way i wanted it to time to reprint all of it <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah um that You're part. not the first person to say that. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, yeah, not surprised. At least back when we, when we were in the office, um, we had like a deluxe luxury printer that printed all this stuff like immediately. Now I'm at home with my dinky printer that um, oh, yeah. takes 30 <laughs> minutes to set up every time I want to use it. Printer. <laughs> the other day I had to scan something for non-work related thing and I it made me log in. I'm like, you're a printer. Cool. Just scan it. Yeah. Well, you're lucky to make you change the magenta just to scan it. Yeah. So. Like, why do I need an account? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, Steve, do you have a question about a gauntlet? No, I'm gonna let Daniel ask that one. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of stole the other one from Daniel. Very villainous. So we have like this list of questions, Maxine, and yeah. like the one that Steve said, I like. I like this question so much. I'm gonna steal it or whatever. Is the only question on the list that has my <laughs> name next to it. To ask. Oh God! <laughs> I was like, like that part, it, it's the only question that has anyone's name on it. <laughs> what, what, when, did that, when did you put your name there? I did not see that. I, go check the history. I did not put my name there because I wouldn't say Dan. That's right. That's why I figured you couldn't have put it. It had to have been old from before. So, um, yeah. so. <laughs> Maxie, <laughs> yeah, yes. Who in the office do you think would most likely assemble the Infinity Gauntlet for ill purposes? Oh, I'm gonna go ahead and say probably me. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, I mean, so okay. One, I have to keep on my brand as like the evil overlord, right? Um, okay. but more importantly, um, I think I would probably try to use it for like a good reason, but I'm super misguided, and I would. I would, you know, be careful what you wish for kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. I think I would be like, oh, I'm going to assemble the Infinity Gauntlet and I'm going to get rid of, I'm going to make 
world peace, but I accidentally like turned everyone to goo. <laughs> so, you know, de facto peace because everyone's goo. You know, it's not seeming like such a bad It's a very idea. Cronenberg plot, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you make a, a campaign about that at one point? Yeah, actually, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, I like that answer. I'm curious what answers other people gave. <laughs> I think they all said you. Uh, they're, all like, they're all like they're all like MJ. <laughs> yeah, they all, no, they all said very um, different people. Yeah, everyone yeah. was somebody else. Interesting. I think um, secondary answer would probably be Jeremy. Okay, you're not the first Jeremy. I'm not yeah, surprised. <laughs> I, and I again, I don't think it's specifically for evil or ill. I think Jeremy just Jeremy always wins. And that's Jeremy the only that's always the wins. Reason. That's the same yes. reason we get. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But so. isn't that the exact reason why he would never be the villain? Or uh, I mean, the fight for I mean, the gauntlet? I mean, in this game. That that is why evil always wins because good is dumb. Yeah, because good is dumb. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I think a few people have said he'd be like the best villain in the office. So. He he would be the best villain because he, his plans would be it. perfect. He's got the voice for it, um, and his plans would be unstoppable. You'd be like, oh my god, he's thought of everything. I would <laughs> yeah. be a hot mess, and you would walk up to me and you'd be like, hey, I doubt your plan's gonna succeed. And I'd be like, oh my god, you're right. And I would like fall into a spiraling pit of depression or something. <laughs> That's a laugh of depression, but okay. <laughs> it's, I mean, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> uh, so on the flip side, who's, who's the peskiest hero in the office, you think? Um, probably Caleb. Definitely Caleb. 100% Caleb. I was started okay. with probably, and then I was like, no, it's Caleb. No, it's Caleb. Okay. Caleb yep. is just so aggressively nice and kind and, like, warm and helpful. Like, I've never met someone who exemplifies the, the, the beliefs that he holds more than Caleb. Um, yeah, he's just a great human being, and he's going to watch this and be like, Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but like, no, for real. He he's he's such a Captain America. Yeah, I, I we get that impression. So yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, if yeah. somebody's got to be a hero, all right, it's Caleb. That's good. Not that anyone else. I mean, there's many of the people that I work with are super kind and super nice. Um, and a lot of them are like, like, like I love Tyler. Tyler has my back, right, on anything. Um. But, like, it's it's a different vibe where, like, Tyler's the kind of person who would help me hide a body if I had to. Um, <laughs> Caleb's, the, Caleb's the kind of person who would come up to me and be like, are you sure you don't want to turn yourself in? That's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I'd be like, God damn it, you're right. <laughs> Caleb. All right. You'd be well, like, Tyler, uh, take care of Caleb. <laughs> Jeremy's in the corner with the gauntlet, just snaps everything away. That's, oh, my God, that's amazing. <sighs> this is a question I always like asking. What are you most excited for us to open? Like, if you could watch our face while we open a product, what are you most mm -hmm. excited for it, for it to be? And you can be as vague as you want. People have said things a year ago that still aren't out yet. Oh, gosh. But just in very vague terms. Uh, does it have to be Marvel-related? It has to be anything from FFG. Anything, anything from FFG. Anything you've worked on. Well, then that's easy. Um, but you can't say something that's already been released. Yes, no, uh, the Scarlet Keys campaign expansion for Arkham Horror the Card Game. But you gotta be more is, specific if you're gonna give out something that's been already announced. It has been announced. Been. So there's... Let me wow, put it this Mike. way. You're being no, no. Me. 
No, no, no. This is fine. So the Scarlet Keys is um, if if you if you're listening and you've played Arkham before, but you haven't like looked into the new expansion that's coming out, the Scarlet Keys is our first ever fully non-linear campaign. Um, there's a there's like a prologue and an epilogue that you play through, but everything or a prologue and a finale rather. Everything in between is fully non-linear, and the way that we accomplish that is with an actual fold-out map that you use to travel the globe, and each location on the map, uh, listed like A through Z, is a is a place in the campaign guide that you can go to, and some of them are scenarios, some of them are story bits and interludes and things where you have to make an important choice, some of them are locked and you have to figure out what's there first before you can go there. Some of them aren't even on the map. And it's just such a cool like mechanic that we've never done before for Arkham. It's so new and it's so fresh. And I'm so excited for people to open that and be like, oh, is this a map of the world? Oh my God, what's happening in this campaign? That sounds awesome. That sounds it's, awesome. Now, so Maxine, is that, is that actually, are you allowed to tell us that? Yeah. Has that yeah, been that's said a, somewhere? That has the been revealed. Been, yeah. Yep. Okay. I, I, I knew that the, there was a map and it was nonlinear had been revealed. I didn't know that. Yes. As specific as you got had been revealed. I, I, I went a little bit more specific than what we've revealed, but nothing's nothing so far that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. That nothing that you can't glean from just looking at the map and being like, I bet it's like this. Sure. Cool. Yeah. It's super cool, and um, it's probably the most replay. Well, it's definitely the most replayable campaign we've ever done. It's also like you can't possibly see everything and play through every like story path in the Scarlet Keys um, in one awesome. campaign. Like you have to play it multiple times to get the full experience. And um, it's also the most it's, it's interesting because it's the most words I've ever written for an Arkham campaign by a long shot. But it's also <laughs> not the most long winded um, because it's so split up into these many, many disparate nonlinear parts. Okay. Does that make sense? Because you said the same thing about Edge of the Earth. But Edge of the Earth is like a pretty linear path, right? right. That you can occasionally skip parts of. Um, Edge of the Earth it, Edge of the Earth has like a four-page pro or like a six-page prologue because it's introducing like eight characters right off the bat. Um, Scarlet Keys doesn't have that. It, it very much drops you in pretty quickly. And from there, you can kind of take whatever route you want to do. But the grand sum of it is enormous like in, in scale and scope it's the biggest product we've ever done easy um awesome but yeah each path of it is not as uh not as much text as edge of the earth was for example mike i can't wait to lose that campaign with you too <laughs> yay <laughs> my wallet's gonna be like it's what so are you fun. buying another game more games come on <laughs> yeah we have this uh it's now uh, it might as well be a tradition at this point or I play the game through with my wife and we beat the snot out of it because we mm -hmm. power game it. And then I play yes. with Daniel and he plays very cutesy and, uh, <laughs> and we lose. <laughs> but uh, that slay together. Yeah. Yeah. But we, uh, we do have some fun stories. I gotta say. Hell yeah. Yep. I, that's, that's what it's like when people play with me. I'm a total goofball. I'll just mess oh, around. I, I refuse to power deck anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm the, yeah, I like to make like theme decks um and and like just kind of play around and like do fun fun decks that like like um my solo Gwai here only deck in Lord of the Rings, for example. <laughs> What's your hero lineup? Gwai here? Who else? Gwai here. 
It's not as uh, good as Daniel's. Daniel? Daniel well, is known for a solo. he's got a little crown. <laughs> no. Daniel has his solo bomber deck. That he I plays. love it. That's good. I like that. That's good. Yeah. He built it before Grey Wanderer came out. <laughs> it's it's about five years old. Hell yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, let's see. We, we, we've digressed from Marvel a little bit, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. a little bit. This has been fun. Yeah. Uh, do you play with the? I know you're doing a lot of play testing, but you got to throw in the standard sets. Do you like mix and match? Throw in standard two, expert two, when you're play testing. Um. Yeah. Occasionally. Those? Yeah. Um. I I have played with those less frequently, um, uh, simply because they came out during a time when I was way, way busy with Arkham. Um, so I haven't played with them as much, but I think, uh, like if I, if I were to play test now, I'd probably pick randomly which one I want to do. Um, just to kind of mix it up. Oh, you know what we should do? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to mix the worlds again. Cause you pitched this at Ar- for Arkham at one point, you can do this for Marvel as well. When you brought out your return to box, yeah, you had the alternate sets where one of the modular sets would be taken out, and you put in this other harder one. Or you have this variant where, say, if you deck <laughs> with six cards, you shuffle them together and you pick six randomly. Yeah. So there is a challenge for our Marvel listeners: take standard one, standard two, shuffle them together, and pull six randomly without looking at them, or seven without looking at them, and shuffle them in your deck. Yeah. I I would do that. That's the kind of thing that I would do, and the people at the table would be like why are you doing this? Cause it, it does make it very swingy. Cause you could get like six advanced, the scheme cards like in a row and you're yeah. like, Oh no. How? Yeah. You draw shadow of the though. past and your next card is shadow of the past. Yeah. It should double shadow of the past, but like that level of chaos can be fun if you embrace it. Definitely. Yeah. And maybe you wouldn't do it every time. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. It's a good challenge though. Yeah. Um, are you, I know you can't really, say too much but do you have any other marvel items on the horizon coming out from you from me no um not not currently um but uh as far as things that i've like played and i can give like my hearty thumbs up of approval a lot okay nice (laughs) yeah this this um this this entire like series of products that is being announced right now is killer it's going to be really good. I said it before on this podcast that it feels like now that we like we're living in our third LCG now, mm-hmm. co-op LCG, we're in that golden age, and it's uh-huh. exciting. Yeah, definitely. And like so. every every card game has, um, it it takes like a few cycles to get to that point where, like with Arkham, I remember like with Dunwich, we were designing the Dunwich uh, cycle like before the game even came out. You know, like we were flying completely blind. I had no idea how the reception of the game was going to be before Dunwich. Like we were fully finished with Dunwich and partially through developing the path to Carcosa when the core set came out. So it takes a few years to like sort of catch up. You know what I mean? With yeah. um, with yeah. where feedback is and with where like the, the player base is. Um, so this I think we're getting into that that life cycle now with uh with like where Arkham now is in its like veterancy, uh, we're we're working. I mean, we're releasing what cycle? Oh my god, eight. Yeah, is you're already on case? eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and Marvel, this is the fourth. 
You have Core Riser, Red Skull, Ga- Galaxy's right. Most Wanted, yeah. Mad Titan Shadow. Yeah, so we have four yeah. out. And there's four out. Yeah, so we're we're five, getting into no, the uh, sinister motives. Yeah, yeah, getting into the 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 part of the life cycle where things are like really, really well. Like we're in our groove. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can be creative. There isn't absolutely your justice deck. Isn't just the justice deck. There are things you right. can do with that. It's like I'm yeah. doing the confusion deck. I'm just going to confuse people. I felt that deck. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Since this is our third one and you do arkham and you do some marvel do you have a arkham scenario or an arkham villain if you could just make it a marvel scenario do you have one that you think would be pretty cool or like if there's no limits mm. right like ooh, i can import this arkham right. thing into marvel or or maybe vice versa that's <laughs> kind of tough because like way. yeah it's it, it's definitely tough because like arkham is a very very different like fantasy than marvel marvel is very empowering and arkham is purposefully depowering like in arkham if you have a shotgun you're that's like really good like that's like you know like that you're pretty prepared if you've got a shotgun and a person with you that's like a good setup but in marvel like you're starting off, your baseline is way, way higher than that. Like, you're, in, in Marvel, you're, you're Goku landing in front of the farmer with a pitchfork. And in Arkham, you're the farmer with a pitchfork. Does that... Yeah, putting my DBZ God. reference in here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it's a very different game and it's a very different setting. And the power levels are way, way different. So anything in Arkham that gets pulled into Marvel or anything in Marvel that would get pulled into Arkham would be drastically, like... A si- like Arkham investigators would get absolutely destroyed, um, and I think the the whole conceit of Arkham is that you never really win; you just kind of like stave off the inevitable, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. But that being said, um, there's some uh, sort of cosmic or galactic threats in Marvel that would be fun to uh, fight as just a dude with a gun. Um, and vice versa. I would love to fight as a Thoth, as Iron Man. Like, <laughs> that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. Because the, like then, then, like... then you might actually win. Then you actually win. Because Marvel characters can fight off a cosmic threat that, like, threatens all of existence. Investigators can't. They can just kind of, like, stop it from happening, maybe. Yeah, If they're maybe. really, really courageous. They're more like the street-level guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even then, like, Daredevil could, you know probably kick the crap out of any Arkham investigator. Hey, the Marvel card beat cop's a pretty solid card, and that's just a <laughs> regular cop walking the beat. So That's true. That's true. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, I just want to put this seed out there so that you can then go do something with it. Um, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings has it. Arkham has it. Marvel does not have it yet. The massive multiplayer scenarios. Mm. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> there you go <laughs> just you know i think the community would love that kind of thing <laughs> in a gen con or whatever so you know if you get the the itch again uh i'm sure, I'm sure it would be great so yeah and uh i don't know i i think love that ate everything too they're hard to do i think you need a veteran on that job someone who's done a lot of that before oh, right yeah? someone who's maybe done it for lord of the rings and yeah done it for uh, arkham and yeah. arkham yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right i'll keep that in mind maxine we knew that person <laughs> Maxine, it's been so fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. Is there is there anything else you would like to to say before we we sign off tonight? 
Uh, yeah. Um, uh, just a, sa- a shameless plug over here, but um, for those of you who are listening who don't know, I wrote a book. Um, it's called Dark Drifters. Uh, is the name of the series. The first book in the series is called The Key and the Crescent. It is a uh, horror fantasy sort of young adultish novel about dreams and nightmares and um, self worth and stuff like that. And you can find it online. You can also find it on my website, um, which is www.bewaretheblackcat.com. And um, yeah, it, that's that's pretty much it. It's cool. I hope you like it. I have it. I read it. Shameless plug. My name's in it, everybody. So, <gasps> <Yay>. <laughs> <yeah>. um, <laughs> no, but thank you so much, Maxine, for coming on and talking about Spitter. It's <laughs> just Spitter. SP slash slash DR. Parker. Yeah, what a great design. I mean, really changes things up for this game. Really adds a lot to it. It's It was fun to watch Steve cheat. Um, yeah, so thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Mike. Mike, where do people get a hold of us? I will tell them as soon as they stop yelling at their computer screens. We already told you that we, we already said that the RPG is called the Marvel Superheroes. You can stop yelling at the monitor now, <laughs> or you can just email us with the answer <laughs> at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook, and you can find our YouTube channel by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Big Foam Loaf, and Wandering Took. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Magneto, take us out. Mankind has always feared that it doesn't understand. Hold on, I just accidentally minimized my... Oh no! You're gonna have to edit this. <laughs>